In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. And we're back. Welcome to Behind the Pages, where we'll be talking to the Starfinder team about some of the exciting things that have been introduced and teased this Gen Con 2020, I am the MC for this panel, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param from the No Direction Network, and I'm joined by Rob McCreary. Hello. Jason Keeley. Hey. Jason Tondro. Hey. And Joe Pazzini. Hey, Joe. Hiya. Excellent. So, you all just got done doing an hour-long presentation about the new playtest the nano site class and of course one of my favorite things to be introduced to starfinder mm -hmm. in general giant big old robots <laughs> yeah uh, so <laughs> here right so uh just to get us started how do you all feel about giant big old robots that might may or may not be filled with nanosites <laughs> <laughs> oh, no <laughs> uh, uh, they're pretty cool i think there's probably a lot of people that are screaming finally at the top of their lungs when they see mechs. I have to finder floor. I have to agree with that because for the very first preview panel, at, like almost immediately after the announcement, one of the very first questions was mechs giant question mark, and it's been a question that we've recorded again and again and again, and the answer has always been yes, but not yet. Well, yet's happened as well as a lot of uh, other fun stuff to talk about. So as someone who enjoys both my Battletech and my Gundam, um, I am a very, very, very happy Space Hobbit. So when our, when our mech can turn into a vehicle and vice versa, then that's when we're really cooking with gas. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And then especially since we, we saw in Starfinder that... Uh, that the, uh, the the squadrons and then the squadrons turning into giant spaceships. This, of course, leads to rampant speculation as to exactly how much power zord we can shove into a power zord. But that's not the only thing that we have been teased with. First, we see the next book coming up on the horizon is the Gem or the Galaxy Exploration Manual. What is so exciting about Jim, and why is every GM of Starfinder drooling to get their hands on this thing? And I could talk about that for the full hour. So if somebody else, like the creative <laughs> director, wants to give a broader overview, I'm happy to defer. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you go ahead and start. <laughs> All right. So the Galaxy Exploration Manual is a toolbox for players and GMs to explore the galaxy we could go figure um we have covered a ton of our own setting uh and we continue to do so and there's a lot of really cool stuff there but you probably have your own stuff you want to explore you probably want to make your own worlds both to have adventures on and also to, for your characters to be from if you're a player so this is this uh has a lot of tools for players and gms uh, there are there are class options for every class in starfinder uh there are there's new equipment. Um, there's an entire chapter on building worlds of your own design uh, with a ton of help for, for figuring out what, what does it look like in, in the terms of the physical attributes, the environment, um, who lives there, uh, what kind of adventures might be had there. Uh, and then also, if you're from there, maybe you have certain 
feats or equipment or other player options that are specific to that sort of world, but not limited to it. So maybe you're from a desert world and that gives you some, some edge in desert worlds, but you can also use those advantages anywhere you're exploring in the galaxy. So it's important for us to make sure that while it's really cool to build specific planets, we don't want to pigeonhole anyone into only being effective on those planets when they take those player options. So I think, uh, for instance, planes, there's a planes biome section where we talk about not just regular planes like you'd find on Earth, but sort of what, what are weird alien versions of planes, maybe some formed when a giant starship, like a massive starship skidded across the land and created this new random plane. Um, so the player options there include sniper weapons, which are going to come in handy in a place where you can see for miles, mm -hmm. but you can use sniper weapons wherever. Um, so that's sort of an example of that. There's also going to be an exploration system uh, for exploring not just worlds, but the galaxy at large. You know, when you hop in your starship and you have the entire galaxy, it can be a little daunting. So you want to figure out where you're going and why. Uh, and then that, that sort of starts at that broad scale and then takes you down to on the ground exploring a new planet, which I think is really exciting. Um, so is this going to be space hex crawling then? One of my favorite ways to play a game? It's in development right now, so uh -huh. I don't want to commit to the final form, but <laughs> I wouldn't not hold your breath. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know I was talking a lot, but there's another cool thing in there, which is a robust uh, PC background generator, which I'm really excited about to mm -hmm. help you build your backstory. And then uh, a bunch of tables, which I love. I, yeah. I picked up the, uh, the, the, oh my gosh, blanking, the Game Master's Guide for Pathfinder First Edition, just mm -hmm. for all the tables that were in it. And I could oh, see yeah. people doing the same for this because it's mm -hmm. just, it's chock full of, of things that help you both again, as a player and a GM, come like uh, spawn all these ideas that you can take and run with. And so I'm really excited for people to get their hands on this. It comes out of April of 2021, but <laughs> it will <Right>. come out. <laughs> it will come out. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of tables, I just want to like say that I, I wrote a small bit and, and uh, of this part about, about like settlements and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, uh, during the assignment, I was like, look at this. And Joe's like, write a 100 entry table of businesses and buildings you might find in any city <laughs> and i was like whoa uh, but then just like what are a hundred things i couldn't you know it took me a bit but i eventually got a whole bunch of stuff and like the way we we break it down is like if you roll on this uh you if you only want to be at like a a low um yeah hopefully this is still remaining in development but if you want to say like a low tech uh settlement you only take the entries one through 30 or something like that right or and then or or high tech settlement could be all the entries so it was a real challenge and, and a fun one to, to sort of think about like well what could be in a medieval style village and a futuristic space station all right and and you, know, you sort of generalize like oh there might be like something like a a pastry shop right and then anyone could be want some food Two two more major things I want to say. I'd be remiss not to mention one of the chapters of this book, an entire chapter is dedicated to building your own campaign settings, your own adventures, uh, your own uh, encounters, like building on the information we've already provided in the core rulebook and with an eye towards sort of creating your own, having your own homebrew sort of self-directed adventures. And that was written by one Jason Tondro. That you may see on your screen Ooh. right now. That is one of the parts that definitely super has fun to write. Excited. Naturally, as soon as my name gets called, my dogs go crazy. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Sorry. But, Random I, encounters. 
but but it was it was super fun to write. It's still in development. So again, I I, I don't want to commit anybody too hard to anything in there. But it's all about helping players or helping GMs rather um, come up with their own homebrew settings that are very sandboxy. So that the players have a lot of choice over where they go and what they do. But at the same time, how to make that not overwhelming for the players, right? Because if you've got a drift engine in Starfinder, you can basically go to any planet in the galaxy in three die six or five die six days, right? As a GM, that can be really daunting and intimidating. Like, does that mean I have to prep every star, every planet in the galaxy, right? Like, how, <laughs> how do I know if I don't know where the players are going, how do I prep that adventure? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of advice here. Everything from the simple stuff, like, well, simply talk to your players about it. Say, hey, wherever you guys decide to go, do that at the end of the session so that I have a week to prep, right? <laughs> or or more, more concretely, plan, sort of plotting your stories so that they're gated behind various encounters. So if you go to one site, you learn about these three or four other sites, right? And three to four places to pick from is a very manageable number for players mm-hmm. and for the GM to, to think ahead on. So anyway, tons of, and I got some advice from Ron Lundin, who anybody who's played Pathfinder knows, and, and, and I, I was really proud and I was, and, and I was grateful to Joe for letting me write that particular chapter because I really had a lot of fun. Yeah, it turns out, you know, having a, an adventure developer and, and Jason Keeley pitched in and, and developed that section. So having our, our two key adventure developers tell people advice on how to make adventures is really exciting. Like, I, I think people are going to get so much value out of that. Um, and going back a little bit to the the world building system that's in this book if you know the deck of many worlds which is a three yes. card product this is very much in that vein where you are randomizing the atmosphere the gravity uh the biomes that are present like desert plains forest aquatic uh we even have a weird biome for that <laughs> kind of strange stuff that doesn't quite fit in any other box um, eyeball trees and, yeah right. and uh, exactly and <laughs> Also, cultural attributes, like, is this a high-tech world, a low-tech world? What does that mean for not only what the world looks like when you get there, but adventure hooks that might be that might be prominent there? And you can combine those. So you can say, like, this high-tech, low-magic, uh, very discordant uh, desert world, you know, that, that gives you, you can take those pieces from this book and mash them all together and come up with something completely unique. And, and when you're talking about, like, Jake having those four worlds to manage, you can you can build each of those four worlds relatively quickly. And you can use the deck with this book, but you absolutely don't need it for the book. It mm-hmm. has everything. It's just, uh, if you're familiar, then you will, you will know to be excited for this book as well. <laughs> so you mentioned the deck of many worlds. Is there like cross play between that product? Because that's been one of my favorite things you all have put out in a bit. Yeah, so you can absolutely... Uh, make a world with the deck of many worlds that tells you because that that is basically taking a few cards putting them together mm-hmm. and it tells you this is a high magic world with an aquatic biome and this inhabitant and these adventure hooks you can just take that open the book to your aquatic biome and see mm-hmm. all this information about what that might look like what kind of player options might uh, what kind of adventures come from that world uh or might come from that world uh again inhabitants and and uh adventure hooks so it's like a one-to-one almost match up there which is really nice it turns out that when you're trying to figure out how to make worlds with a deck of cards and with a book (laughs) you end up sort of in the same wheelhouse of here's how to here's how to inspire creativity uh 
as much as possible. So, and and in fact, when I did the sandbox adventure chapter, there's a sample, there's a sort of running, ongoing example throughout that chapter of making a star system setting, and I use the deck of many worlds to do it. Wow. So, so you can see, like, okay, so we got these cards, and we had these these different antagonists and these alien races and these biomes, and here's how we put it all together, and here's where the adventures are, and how they're all nested. So, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be such a good book. Mm-hmm. Now, um, yes. I was, I'm curious when you, all are, uh, when you all are putting together, you know, ideas for your, um, you know, your, the adventures that Pazzo is putting out, do you all just grab the deck of many worlds? Like, well, which, what are we going to give this freelancer? It's going to be a low magic <laughs> desert planet with eyeball trees. We haven't yet, but I could certainly <laughs> see us when like, we got a point where we're stuck. And just like <laughs> don't have any ideas to begin with, we can always just be like, oh, you know, let's just randomly generate a planet and then mold it as we need to to mm-hmm. to fit whatever you know plot line we're we're, we're currently working on. Um, so, so if you because okay, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, so if if you <laughs> we have internet <laughs> lag here, we're That's so what's excited. Going yes, go ahead. Every so, other word. All right. So if you were to draw the deck of many worlds for the beginning of the devastation arc which cards set the pcs up for the oh my gosh oops we're all gonna die part sure uh, uh card 35 uh, card 12 and- <laughs> <laughs> you have these cards memorized joe it's yeah. a it, it's a it, it's a, uh, a sort of an arctic uh, cold biome to mm-hmm. begin with um with uh, ruins of an ancient uh uh spacefaring uh civilization on it uh but it is also uh, uh having a resort built over over top those ruins so what? that's where hmm. the uh, uh, uh adventure path begins um and uh the pcs are called in because the terraforming equipment uh, uh on that planet that's sort of calming down the the winters goes haywire uh, and starts creating blizzards and 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 whatnot. So the PCs are sent in to rescue some some people who are trapped in an alien ruin, which they were in, which maybe perhaps has some connection to the uh, terraforming equipment going haywire. It does, um, and uh, <laughs> they have to deal with some 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 problems there. Get in there and then discover, uh, you know, start start picking apart. Um, uh, wh- you know what this alien civilization is and and how it might have any connections to the pack worlds. Now, this is going to be the first uh, three-parter that starts this high level, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. It starts at 13th oh, level. You're, you're, you have your players start at 13th level, and you're going to go all the way up to 20 uh, with some some uh, bit of play uh, at the end there of 20 at 20th level. So you get to have all the, you know, play with all the fun capstones of each class. Without spoiling too much, what kind of challenges do high-level Starfinders go up against? Uh, some stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a um, a fight uh, with a, 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 a park, an entire park. What? Um, in, 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 uh, well, Jatembe Park in on Absalom Station. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I, I just sort of love throwing out the most. That When I saw that, I think it's an Alien Archive 2, or possibly three, that there's a kami that is that binds itself to a park in a space station. I'm like, well, we have to have that in Jatembe Park. It, it may only make sense. Uh, so uh, that that poor kami gets a little mad for reasons. Um, mm-hmm. You're gonna have to go up against some uh, angels, some devils, uh, some things from beyond time. 
Uh, this is all in the second adventure too. The <laughs> um, the first adventure has you dealing with some uh, uh, some uh, uh, a real fun daemon uh, that I really enjoyed, uh, uh, and uh, dealing with um, some weird new undead. Now, uh, at the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna if you look at the cover of the first uh, volume of the uh, Devastation arc, you'll notice that there's a Bantred on on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've I, I'm not sure if we've released that, but if you uh, uh, yet, yeah, but I'm sure it has to because it's about to come out. Um, during the time when we were planning this, uh, it was just Rob and I, uh, uh, we hadn't yet brought Jake on and we were sort of thinking about, we need this high level adventure. And, uh, the two of us, for whatever reason, love Bantrids, mm-hmm. um, pa- uh, partially because I, 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 created them, but they're, so they're my little babies, uh, and Rob, because I think he played one and, and just because they're awesome, we, they're awesome. And then we were like yes, thinking about are. like, thinking about like, oh, this, this adventure path should have some, should reveal some secrets about the, the, the setting in some way. And what, what, what's one secret that we can reveal that wouldn't, you know, completely break the setting wide open. And uh, we both hit on the fact that the Bantrids have a mysterious origin. We don't know where they're from or, or, or where they were before they just sort of woke up from their, from their weird spiral towers on that, uh, on that one moon. Um, so we're like, let's just, let's answer that question. So we, we, you find out where Bantrids come from. It's a sad, sad story to be sure Um, always a sad story isn't it yeah but they're no they're they're thriving now and that's important thing and you have to actually end up you know helping them out in that very first volume uh you know making connections and and saving them and then there's some some political stuff that's also in the second volume you're dealing with the 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 um the pack council and then the third volume is all about sort of storming the uh what is known as the devastation arc uh, getting aboard this ancient alien spaceship and and fighting off the uh, aliens. It does also go to a weird place that I do not want to spoil at the right. very beginning, but hopefully uh, your players will enjoy that because it's some 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 bonkers high level stuff. So, um, are, is this going to be mostly foots on the ground, or we're going to have some fun spaceship stuff in it? Yeah, uh, uh, that the devastation arc comes with it a sort of or small sort of armada of drones that are just sort of <laughs> blasting away at the Absalom station's own sort of armada. So you get to direct that a little bit. Uh, at the time we didn't have the full starship operations manual armada rules. So it's, um, uh, it's a little bit of its own little system, uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty easy to use uh, and you'll get to be directing stuff. And, and at the same time fighting off uh, 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 in starship combat, a, a few of these uh, higher level, higher tiered automated spaceships. So maybe um, so we get a big our, space battle, our own little trench run through the devastation arc. Um, yes, but on foot. Oh well, that's going to be harder. <laughs> yes, it's a little harder. <laughs> you have to run really fast. Uh, yeah, that's a whole thing that that happens at the uh, uh, end of the second volume. Oh god, the second volume, uh, which is written by Eleanor Farron, is just chock full of stuff, and I love every minute. Uh, an angel with a motorcycle. It's <laughs> good grief. Something. Oh, you so all have so much stuff. fun at the Star Trek. I, I love having fun. <laughs> and I think the, the really cool thing about this adventure path that I'm excited about is because the vast majority of the other Starfinder adventure paths all end at 13th level. This mm-hmm. is perfectly suited to be then you finish one of the existing adventure paths and you can roll straight into this one. So, mm-hmm. and I think we've tried to do something like dropping some Easter eggs for those mm-hmm. different campaigns. So if you, regardless of which campaign you played in, you might see a few little pickups from, from your thing showing up in this one. So it's really, 
can be played as a sequel to any one of, of our adventure paths. And so you can go all the way for the first time, at least for, for what we've published from first yeah. level until, until 20th. Are there any uh, of the earlier adventure paths that you think would be particularly apt or particularly amusing if this was the sequel? <laughs> uh, particularly apt would be the Dead Sons adventure path. The, P- the PCs mm-hmm. who have gone through Dead Sons will have, uh, will have the most sort of background knowledge to what is going on here with the Devastation arc. Um, most amusing is sort of, I guess, uh, for me, it would be Signal Screams because that also starts in a resort. <laughs> and then uh, when you get to 13th level, you get another, you get basically, uh, you know, we have all these hooks at the beginning and we get an email. It's like, oh, we know you dealt with this other resort. Here's another resort company who needs your help. Uh, I swear you won't get possessed by shadow demons. <laughs> it's a completely different thing. It's, a, it, you know, from, it, right. it's, it's, it's a snow. It's You can maybe do some nice skiing afterwards. <laughs> And we have we have guidelines, right, for for coming out of each of those different APs. Yeah, about yeah there's how, a little, how to how to, how to kick off. Everyone. Yeah, how to how to kick off <laughs> Devastation Arc based on what adventure yeah. your your the players or the characters are coming from. So. Uh, the, uh, maybe maybe actually the Dawn of Flame would be the most amusing because it, the the little plot hook is like, well, maybe you, you want to cool off a little bit because <laughs> you just should help this out. Maybe you want a little break from all that sun stuff. So here's an Arctic planet. <laughs> All right, so that's not the only adventure that you all have been teasing. Uh, the other one, and I think maybe even uh, the audience favorite ever since they, they heard the, the, uh, the, the title of it, Fly Free or Die. Now, this, is the, this isn't the epic 20 max level adventure path, is it? That's right. Uh, the, uh, Fly Free or Die is uh, 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 an adventure path about people who aren't trying to save the galaxy. They're just trying to pay rent. Like th- this is an AP about people like you and me who are just trying to make it in a tough galaxy where everything is for sale, including your integrity, right? So they, they're trying to put in a good day's work to get a hard to get a good day's pay, but every job seems to go bad, and they're chased by their old company paymasters and a golden league crime boss with an army of Zoom assassins and bounty hunters. And there's a million other rival Starship crews out there trying to get up in your grill and steal your job. And, you know, you're just kind of trying to make it day to day. But if you're lucky uh, and you play your cards right and you're really good, maybe you can get to that spot where the only person in the galaxy you have to answer to is yourself. And maybe you can get a little payback on all those people that did you wrong along the way. Uh, So there's... Yeah, so it's a lot of people describe Adventure Pass kind of in our D20 game system in general as kind of rags to riches. This is rags to riches and then ruin and then revenge. Oh, so like how are you, how is this going to simulate the, the struggles that is paying the rent payment or yeah, dealing so, with this, this more personal motivation? Well, one of the things that, that uh, so the first, in the very first volume, you get a whole set of uh, a subsystem for the financial aspects of your starship. How do you find, buy, transport, and sell cargo on planets throughout the galaxy? Uh, how do you get paid and use those, use those resources to improve your starship a little bit at a time? Uh, and, and so I wanted to bring in all of that financial stuff, economic stuff around starships, which has been a big part of science fiction for a very long time. If we've got old old school traveler players out there in the audience mm-hmm. or, or maybe Firefly or Eve online players or Ooh. all those people that are, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to appeal to all that and, and have a system for that in the game. So 
So you'll be you'll be negotiating for deals with clients, um, buying cargoes, trying to find some place to buy buy low and sell high, right? And then take the profits and invest it in your starship to buy that new heavy laser cannon your mechanics had his eye on for the last week, right? So is like proficiency in Excel a skill that my characters can take <laughs> for this adventure? No, no. <laughs> uh, so I I wrote the merchant rules, but Keeley developed them, and he and as anybody complicated and then you give it to somebody who streamlines and simplifies it and that's exactly what we did with joe's that, help now now that being said yeah and joe joe was right there i mean this is back when yeah. we were still in the offices so joe was like four feet away <laughs> and and we could run all this stuff by him that being said as i think is a lot of common maybe with a lot of subsystems in in various games you might have one or two players who are more into it than everybody else is right so Find your player that is comfortable with the economics, who finds that interesting and wants to min-max it. Let that person be your accountant and, and <laughs> track all the numbers. And the rest of you can just, you know, uh, get on with the, with the exciting drama and the story and the hard choices that are really integral to this particular adventure path. So my players uh, in, in all of our games, we've, we've, been, we've adopted like community uh loot basically for every yeah. single game so yeah. and, and they all love to very quickly scream not it when we have the little leather bound <laughs> binder dedicated to this task so should i should i get like an old school pda like an old blackberry and just throw it at somebody for this one <laughs> well well uh my my hope is is that if we've done our job right mm -hmm. it will a not be too complex and one. b it will even be fun Right. And mm -hmm. we've built a bunch of role playing hooks into the whole process. So mm -hmm. getting the job and negotiating the job and then doing the, the travel where you, you know, mm -hmm. like we have a whole we've talked about tables already on this on this podcast. We've mm -hmm. got a whole table set up for <laughs> random stuff that your job goes wrong. Right? Oh, of and, course. Yeah. Not, so not if my job goes wrong. Uh, oh, it's no, always there, when there are no ifs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so my hope is, is that you'll find it fun and you'll want to engage it. And we've created a bunch of little side jobs. Every one of these adventure volumes will have two or three little sort of side job mini mini adventures mm -hmm. that are off to the side that you can plug in into in, into the story wherever you want to, or if your players want to go off script. And these give you a way to maybe get a little bit extra money if you've fallen behind, or uh, to to to. So there's a there's a bunch of different ways that you can interact with this system. Yeah. And this is one that starts at first level, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's a three or six volume? It's six volumes, yeah. It mm -hmm. goes all the way to like 12th level, 13th level. Um, because, uh, but it poses some interesting and unique challenges. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you, your players are trying to get rich, right? Like that's mm -hmm. their goal, right? We want to get rich so that we can be our own bosses. Um, and I, I don't want to give too much away, but but uh, nothing good lasts forever. Let's put it like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, you don't have to be a philosopher to look around and realize that good things don't last. And and so then when things go bad and all of your enemies have teamed up against you and you've got nothing but the shirt on your back, now what do you do, right? Mm -hmm. And then you so the the trick is to make an adventure that requires you to use all of your high level abilities because you have nothing else to get revenge with except mm -hmm. those things. Right. So it, it should play out very different than any other adventure path. I think 
frozen. Nope. Whoa, yeah, sorry. We just having a little bit of an internet hiccup on here. Uh, I think it is uh, coming nice and around again. Can y'all hear me good? Yes. Wonderful. So one of the things I wanted to address here is that um, the the concept of the starship and the starship tier system, it has historically been very removed from the uh, economy. Like the 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 Star Trek, uh, sorry, the starship build system doesn't interact with the credit system directly. Um, right. With this game and talking about you know, paying rent and the economy being yeah. so important. How are you meshing those two yeah. concepts? Well, I had a lot of help from Joe on this. The, the, mm -hmm. the honest question is, is we're, we're not really, because there's a very good reason why you can't use credits to buy your Starship or the other way around. Because uh, Starship price, uh, the, the cost of a Starship is so much that if you, if you shave even a few percentage points off of it, you would buy a, a way too much gear and be overpowered in regular adventures. So mm -hmm. we kept the credit build point split. But what we did is sort of say, well, what are build points? Build points represent sort of your capital, right? They're like a combination of your investment money, the loans that you get on your starship, um, your, your mortgage payments, basically. Um, but if you sell something that you get paid in build points. So if you, if you, when you complete a job in fly for your die, when you, you buy a cargo, you buy it with build points, you, you transport it and then you sell it for build points. And we gave, we give you a bunch of different things. You can invest those build points on. You can improve your starship. If you're an EVE online player, you'll recognize when we say you can buy some insurance for your starship or for your cargo. So if you lose it or your starship gets blown up, um, you can get some of those build points back. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, maybe you want to expand your company. Maybe you want to buy yourself an agent, like buy, hire somebody in the Vescarium or in the patch worlds just to find you jobs so that when you're in the system, jobs are waiting for you, right? You can sort of, ex you can even, you can even buy a second starship and hire a crew for it mm. to do nothing but bring you more build points, right? So there's this whole kind of economic, but it's all done with build points. Because we don't want we don't want to ruin the credits per level balancing system that Starfinder characters and all of our encounters are based on. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Now we've seen a lot of uh, talk about angels and motorcycles and and secret bantrids and aliens that might be piloting giant spaceships to destroy things old school style. Um, you all seem to never be running out of ideas to uh, make these horrible space monstrosities that make me afraid to even look at a bottle rocket. So, <laughs> Alien Archive 4, what am I going to be having nightmares about next? <laughs> uh, nothing much. There's, there's only like three or four aliens where the editors have been like, what is this? Like, why did you put this into the world? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, Joe. Yeah. I won't look at this page. <laughs> Someone else has to edit it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a hundred plus stat blocks in there. There's a dozen new playable species. Uh, some of the I can't even pick standouts, so I'll just pick some because, for instance, we have a new daemon that uh, is based on deaths caused by too much gaming. So if you got too absorbed in your vid, in your vid <laughs> game, 
Mm. Uh, and you died that way, you might turn into one of these demons. And oh, a little uh, too close to home there, Joe. I know, Isn't right? this... <laughs> you, know, share, you shared art of this at PazoCon, where they can get into a yeah. colony, and there's just a whole bunch of them piled on top of each other? Yep. <laughs> there's, oh. the, there's the Kuyu, which I'm going to say that's how you pronounce it. That could change. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that is That is really, really adorable until you get close enough and realize it's an aberration posing as an adorable creature that has mouths for eyes instead uh that's pretty nightmare inducing but we also have like robot dragons and uh some pickups from society right we we're getting the capaxi put into a hardcover book the coral mm. coral like uh humanoid species and the carinta the uh uh moth-like flying mm. uh beauties the uh the pathfinder team's doing robot dragons this year too did you all just get like a really cool zoids kit and go for it <laughs> i mean we i'm not you know not to throw shade but we did put a robot start recording and we seem to be restoring the connection all right sorry about that everyone we had to switch to a different twitch server on that one uh but we're back we were talking about robot dragons why wow, they're awesome uh, I just want to put a focus on an example monster from the uh, uh, from Alien Archive and what new it brings to the table. So what new does a robot dragon bring to a game like Starfinder? So robot dragons are, are artificial constructs. They're not dragons first, they're constructs first, but they are so advanced that they attract a dragon's soul, kind of like an android body does, right? Um, and so with true dragons in the past, we've definitely had uh different you know we have the chromatic dragons we have different kinds of void dragons we have families of dragons that have different templates you can put onto them for a slightly different flavor so for robot dragons they're based on different weapon types so you have cryo robot dragons you have laser robot dragons plasma robot dragons and projectile robot dragons and they all have different abilities based on their particular uh you know subject matter expertise so the, the projectile dragon has an auto fire ability that it can just go wild and shoot tons of, <laughs> of ammo at everybody <laughs> in sight. Um, so I think the one we went with for the art was a laser dragon that I'm looking at right now because I get to look at that stuff in advance. Jealous <laughs> would love to see laser dragon. Are they made of lasers or just shooting lots <laughs> of them? Uh, mostly the latter, but you know, this is your game. You can, have it be whatever you want. <laughs> Everything in Starfinder is better when it's made of and simultaneously <laughs> shooting lasers. I mean, everything yeah, really. but a smoke grenade is fair game for them. Well, we have we have a uh, elemental starship scale creatures now in AA4. Oh, so okay. if you ever wanted to fight an elemental that is made of fire and shooting fire at your starship, you can do that now. There you go. Or soon, anyway, in November. You've also had a tradition of all the terrible ways that we become zombies in space when we die <laughs> in the various parts of space. Is that tradition going to continue with this book? Yes, we have. Oh, uh, its name is in flux actually right now, but there is a new undead creature that went, you know, every now and then a drift engine malfunctions. Okay. So <laughs> it just happens. We all know this. Mm-hmm. But sometimes. Yeah. When you when you make that leap, you accidentally leave someone's soul behind, and they kind of just show up as a corpse. 
(laughs) It's not, look, it's not a common occurrence. Your drift engine is probably fine (laughs) and it probably will never happen to you. Just sign this waiver. Yes, (laughs) but it can happen. And the trauma of that uh, can cause that soul to become this yet unnamed undead that can sort of, that, that is looking for its body, you know, understandably is like, what happens? Can I, can I get my life back, please? And they're real creepy. And we have some really creepy art that I'm also, I, I'm sorry to keep harping on oh, no. art you can't see, but, <laughs> but uh, there may be a Skittermander undead involved here is all Yo, I'm saying. Yes. Can I, can I use this the next time a player doesn't show up for my game? Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I beg just you say that we, that we drift jumped and we left your soul behind and now you're yeah. a zombie and you show back up. Absolutely. Okay. And they, get, they, they get captivated with certain things. So if this is a player that's also on their phone, and that can be an explanation <laughs> why. Excellent. Done. Done. It just reminds them of their old life. And, and they just get you, you. So you might find one of these just in a dark room, just sort of staring at an, an ob, like a music box or a holographic music box and just, you know, uh, drooling before it, of course, attacks you and eats you alive. So, so, so yes, that tradition continues. <laughs> so Signal of Screams really drove this home. Like, is there a reason that the the horror element is just so prevalent in the Starfinder pages? Space is scary. Yeah. Like well, so many of our touchstones are are horror, right? Like Alien, the aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, I, I think that th- there's some of this comes from Pathfinder. I I mean, um, you know the 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 great old ones and the the Lovecraftian aspects of of Pathfinder and Galarian setting got carried through. So we have the, you know the the cult of the Devourer and and all kinds of things that were baked into the setting. Uh, and and I totally agree. I think Alien and all those films. There's a long tradition mm-hmm. of science fiction and horror coming together. And it's worth noting that we are doing this show live for Gen Con 2020 in front of a live Twitch audience. So if you've got got any questions for the panel or myself, please go ahead and get them in there. In fact, Lava Bing has a question that's very near and dear to my heart because they want to know, no grenade dragons? (laughs) Not yet, but that's certainly something. You know, we see this a lot. where our hardcovers introduce a family of, of mm-hmm. creatures and then the AP team takes it and runs with it for specific adventures. So I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I, well, look, I'm not putting words in the AP <laughs> team mouth <laughs> here, but it's certainly possible that we can expand on robot dragons in the future is all I'm saying. Right, grenade yeah. dragons here. <laughs> yeah, Keely and I are taking notes, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though, because we got a really lot of good ideas of aliens for this book. We had mm-hmm. Joe led a big brainstorm with the whole uh, development team uh, at Paizo. So Pathfinder people, Starfinder people, all just throwing out ideas. Joe also had some like random photos that he pulled out of just weird, <laughs> weird either zoom in of everyday objects. We're like, what kind of alien would this be? And just people riffed off of that. So, you know, the fact that grenade dragons didn't show up, I'm I'm sure they probably will at some point, just because we <laughs> all sorts of crazy ideas coming out of the 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 Paizo team for, for this book. So yeah, we have a lot more a uh, few more weapon types, right? There's no disintegrator oh, dragons, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yet it's Oh, look, we're, we're limited by space to some extent. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. Yeah. No. Yep. <laughs> some more niche weapon dragons. I do want, yeah, I do want to uh, assure people that it's not all horror and scary things that give you nightmares in AA4. There's also lots of lots of cool things that you can play. You know, there's a dozen playable species, including uh, a fungal species that you can either play a pile of fungus that 
is sentient and sapient and acts on its own, or you can be that fungus uh, having become a symbiote with an animal. Like you choose the animal. You can be any alien you want. So it's basically a way to uplift any animal you want with this fungal species and play oh, as that. So is this how the bears happened? Uh, it's how bears could happen. You could totally uplift a bear this way instead of with technology like uplifted bears. But we definitely mm -hmm. heard from people that, well, I want to uplift a wombat or I want to uplift something else. It's like, okay, then uplift anything you want and here's the rules to do it. So it's pretty, it, you just have to have maybe some fungus poking out of your eyes. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> oh, that's, that's you, I thought you said this wasn't going to be more horror inducing <laughs> here, okay, Joe. Right. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So there's this the Syacinoid, the Sassanoid that Jason <laughs> Sorry. Keeley wrote. Yeah. Is, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, which is a, the most adorable species they've got. I think they're they're adorable anyway. And there's even text, flavor text about how they like kind of are like those clowns that you punch and they kind of rock back up a little bit, <laughs> or they wobble around as they move, more like uh, and they're great. And they're definitely not based on a picture of a pepper cut in half. <laughs> okay, so so I love that when we went to the like the most adorable thing, we're immediately <laughs> punching it in the face. <laughs> no, but this this actually you you tipped on something earlier like uh how much interaction are we seeing with the AP? I mean, are some of these monsters going to be appearing in some of these upcoming APs or some of the our fan favorites from the APs inspiring some of these monsters or making reappearances or or expanding even further? Yes, uh, I know for a fact that who are the guys on on Akaton, Joe? The ghosts. Kulan. The Kulans. Yep. Um, there's Kulans in the second Five Fear Die adventure. So yeah, uh, well, well, we were on, and this is the one on oh, the first one, the first adventure. Uh, B.J. Hensley wrote this. Oh, B.J. is awesome. And yeah, B, she is. You're absolutely right. She is awesome, and I was really mm -hmm. lucky to to get her. Um, and she, uh, the, 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 the characters land on Akaton and they are exploring Hive Market. And so they, of course, the Kulans are one of the coolest thing about Hive Market. They're this really neat sort of ghost fey creatures that no one really knows or anything understands uh, what they are. And they enforce justice and the law in Hive Market. And then I was in the middle of figuring out what their stats might be when I found out that we already had them. They're an AA4. <laughs> so I was able to work with John Compton and Joe to get them. We had to downscale a little bit. It's a lower level, lower CR version uh, of the Kulon. But the nice thing about the rules for alien creation in, in our game is that that's very easy to do, to scale a, a creature up or down in CR. So yeah, I, I only know that one as a first example, but absolutely yes. Yeah, just looking at, I mean, Jason Keeley already mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, picking up, you know, looking at Kami in, in one of the hardcover alien archives and running with that. And we definitely have some pickups. I'm just looking at a list. I, like the Hulsa was originally in uh, the in an AP volume. Don't quiz me on which one. And I, the Radiation Drake, I believe, also is oh, another yeah. one that's in that originally appeared in an AP. But uh, often the the Adventure Path entry is a page. And so we get mm -hmm. to expand on it a little bit with a two-page entry and, you know, provide, usually provide a player-facing rule element that you can use as a player. Because, uh, again, these books are always for players and GMs to enjoy. Uh, same with the, that, the Thermotrod, mm -hmm. which is kind of a little walking volcano. Just a little walking volcano. Just a little walking <laughs> that makes volcano. it sound so adorable, you know? He's cute. <laughs> I think he's cute. The art's and great. And just yeah. like... 
And just like, you know, we're putting out new aliens and stuff for GMs to use, we also use those monsters. And, and you know, when we're building adventures, we look at all the alien archives to see what are what monsters we want to bring in there. So there's always movement back and forth between between the APs and the, and the hardback alien archives. It, it, the timing can get a little tricky because we're always working so far, <laughs> all of us working so far in advance. So, so there, there has been, a, I think, once or twice, an occasional sort of parallel development right we've got something in ap that just will happen to be coming up in an alien archive and we end up luckily usually finding you know noticing that and and sort of being able to sort of work together and make it sort of seeming like we planted ahead of time <laughs> it happens it well, happens we got a question here from tired taurus or tiered taurus not sure the correct pronunciation on that so sorry user um we he wants to know about the possibility of player guides for the Starfinder APs, like the uh, I guess like the Pathfinder ones have. What we're trying to do, and and uh, we've had sort of one show up in uh, Attack of the Swarm. Uh, what we're trying we, we, we end up doing is putting them into the volume so that we can take the time and the effort uh, without without and the care to to make them as as best as we can. Not that. Uh, they don't do a great job in Pathfinder putting them as separate PDFs, but that is extra time that we uh, unfortunately can't uh, spare uh, here on the Starfinder team. Um, so we 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 kind of bake it in. We maybe give it to the to the adventure author to help write, so that it has a lot more connections uh, uh, or you know thematically uh, in a lot of ways. And we're going to have that. We're and moving forward, we're going to try to do them do that as often as possible. So um, we kind of didn't do one for Threefold Conspiracy because of the sort of overarching mystery we kind of wanted that to be more of a surprise it wasn't much to say except for hey players you're on this starship together and then there might be a murder solve it and then that goes from that you know you don't want to tell them what's going to happen next uh but for fly for your die we definitely have the a player's guide in the first volume and um uh, uh devastation arc not so much because you're bring, coming in you already have players who've played to 13th level we might say hey if you haven't played it and you just want to start at 13th level there's not much you need to know except for you know you're gonna have to spend most of the time making a making a character uh from scratch um and in the you know moving on in the future we're going to definitely try to 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 bake those in uh so that you can have that and and when you buy the volume the gm can just print that off the pdf and give it to your players chris, chris sims who used to be a starfinder developer who was a colleague mm -hmm. whose, whose chair i sat in after he left he wrote the player's guide for fly for your die mm -hmm. um it's it's an in-world company catalog <laughs> working for so it so it's got a bunch of like uh you know pr crap in there about how the company's so awesome but then it, it it's also got uh, a bunch of equipment and unique gear we've got uh new um themes for your character the pro and the vaster so if you if you grew up in the vast uh on a some world that doesn't have a lot of contact with the rest of the of intergalactic society you've got a theme for that now um and uh, and a lot of advice on on the kind of moral uncertainty of this adventure path, right? Because when you hear that this is a, a an adventure path that's not about saving the world, and and the characters are kind of more neutral and maybe a little bit more chaotic because they're kind of lawbreakers or at least willing to skirt the law, uh, maybe. But we don't want you to go too evil because nobody wants to share a bunk with a serial killer, right? So. So there's a lot of, there was a, it was a challenging uh, project to write to give players and GMs good advice for characters that fit in this path. And Sims really did a fantastic job on it. That sounds, I really love that idea, actually. Any, yeah. I, I love, like, well, you, the, the little in-character, uh, in-world 
materials to hand out players. I love that. Uh, just a shout out to uh, what they did over in Lost Omens Legends. The, the little hobgoblin guide of how to interact with the Humies was also <laughs> brilliant. Um, we got, so to, I know we th got to do that in threefold, right, Achilles? Oh, three yeah, articles about the, yeah. the three different alien species? Yeah, they're written sort of in world and they're full of misinformation and disinformation <laughs> and just because people don't know. And it, we wanted to keep, you know, we wanted like, hey, Jams, here's some stuff about the greys and the reptoids. But we didn't also want to say, here's everything because they're mysterious, you know, species mm. and factions that we don't want to give away all the answers, even to GMs yet. I was thinking that a threefold player's guide would actually be pretty easy to put together for a GM. You just hand them 16 pages of completely <laughs> redacted text. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right, so... cost of all that black text. <laughs> we've got a time for a couple of more questions, and uh, while we get those in... I'm wondering what sort of uh, adventurers would be a great fit for, say, Fly Free or Die that yeah. you know wouldn't have fit in in some of the previous uh, Pathfinder, uh, uh, sorry, Starfinder adventure paths. Well, I mean, we always try to make our adventure paths op as open as possible, but um, but. So it's it's hard to think of a character that wouldn't fit in in a lot of a lot of these adventure paths, but but fly for your die is for characters like the crew of of Firefly, Rob Serenity, right? Or for people that you know maybe their first reaction is to ask what's in it for me, <laughs> and 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 the or, or characters like like Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy, who's like. You know, maybe our maybe when the galaxy is threatened, what I really want to do is just run as far as I can, so maybe I can live longer than everybody else. <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, though, this adventure path is very much about tough moral and ethical questions, uh, so that your characters are are forced to ask, um, "What uh, are you are you going to do? What's easy, or are you going to do what's right?" Because in my experience, doing what's right almost always means doing what's hard. And, and those questions and those answers and the way that you respond to them is going to echo throughout the AP. So when you meet characters, they're going to treat you the way that you treated them. And so when, if, you, if you shot first, well, then don't be surprised when they do the same thing. But if you, if you act differently towards them, if you treat them like people and you treat them as people worthy of respect, then maybe they start treating you the same way. So this is a long way of getting back to your question. But I think that there, there's, there's a thing here for characters who are maybe a little bit shadier, not, not evil, not like it's, this is not a, this is not a pirate campaign. This is not a sword and shackles kind of thing either. It's, it, it's not a hell's, what was the, Rob, help me out. What was the hell's vengeance? Hell's vengeance. It's not a hell's vengeance campaign, but it, it is maybe a campaign for characters that are kind of in the gray area that live outside of the cameras that, that live day to day. And, and, you know, you're, you're just, you're just trying to make it the way that a lot of us are just trying to make it, you know? Um, and, and my hope is, is that the, it appeals to characters that are maybe a little bit more realistic, a little bit more identifiable and sympathetic because they're more like us. It's funny. It, oh. It's funny, Jake. Uh, 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 as soon as you said this wasn't a pirate campaign, a Twitch user by the name of Piratey Steve went, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> 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 Piratey Steve." I'm sorry. For, for what it's worth, Piratey Steve, I want to let you know that we did talk about that. Like Rob was there. I was like, 
we, we talked about doing sword and shackles in space and and Rob, I know that AP has a lot of fond memories for you because I think that was one of the first things you developed when you were at Paizo. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So there's a lot of, this, like people would love the Pirates in Space game and, and, and I would be one of them. Like there's a lot, and we have free captains and there's a lot of support for it. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not the direction this particular path went. Mm-hmm. But, but keep your hopes up because- You could be a pirate trying to go legit in this one. That would be totally, yeah. A that former, to- pirate, former pirate going legit would be a and, perfect- Concept. And I'm not saying there ain't pirates in the adventure path. <laughs> It'll be pretty boring if there weren't. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, but that does give me a, a question. One last question about uh, fly free or die before we really need to wrap this up and yeah. uh, get ready for the next panel. And that is like, how much uh, flexibility is there here for, for groups and geos who want to, uh, want to tilt the uh, the morality more towards the piratey or in the opposite direction where they want to uh, uh, tilt it a little bit more towards the less morally gray? Like, is there much adjustment in here or is this really, really and, for and the neutrals? Adventure paths come to life at your table. Mm-hmm. Like your group is going to change it. Your group is going to, you're going to have your own table dynamics. I, we can't predict them. And that's the beauty of our hobby, right? So mm-hmm. Yes, like you can push it if you want it, it, to. It's designed. It's designed to be as open as possible. So if the characters want to make selfish decisions mm-hmm. and they want to be bad, and there's some adventures that are in, that encourage that. There are there. I think the the fourth adventure is a heist. So it's a it's a criminal enterprise. You are you are doing something illegal in the hopes of getting the score of a lifetime, right? But Adventure 3, which was written by my handsome and distinguished colleague, Joe Pacini, uh, uh, <laughs> is the opposite. It's an altruistic uh, issue where you're, you're asked by a friend, like, I need you to do this favor for me. I have nothing to pay you with. Will you do it? Right. So the, the, there's a balance. There, there's, a, there's a spectrum to these stories. And, and if the GM wants to push it one way or the other, you totally can. Uh, and I encourage you to do that. Please do that. Make this adventure your own at your own table. Yeah. All right, everyone, that will wrap us up. So we thank you all very much for joining us for this uh, segment of Behind the Pages here at Gen Con. But do not worry. We're going to be right back with Paizo's own Luis Loza here after the break to continue to look behind these wonderful pages uh thank you again rob mccurry thank you jason keely thanks jason tondro a pleasure and joe Pacini. thank you very much and that was jefferson j thacker also known as param from no direction and i hope you all are having a wonderful gen con The No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Monica Marlowe, Vanessa Hoskins, Dustin Knight, and Andrew Sturtevant. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com.